0: It is a crossover edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast and the Locked On Baylor podcast. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12. Drake Toll is here, the host of locked, was it locked On Baylor, Locked On Bears. I'm always so bad at this.
1: Correct it's Locked thing. On Baylor. Those Chicago guys took some copyright stuff. And I don't know, I know I, I'm always worried. I never know what
0: to say. So Locked On Baylor. Uh, today, we're going to look back on the season kind of in review for the Baylor Bears, discuss what went wrong. There were some things that went right and what's going to happen moving forward. For Baylor, as the new Big 12 kicks
1: You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Once again, Locked On Big 12, Locked On Baylor crossover. Make sure you guys subscribe to both on YouTube, especially Locked On Big 12. We're trying to get to 3K subscribers by the end of the month. So four more days. We are at, uh, we're almost at three K we're less than 40 away. So please subscribe. Also guys subscribe to locked on Baylor. You guys find us both on Twitter. I'm at Josh neighbors underscore Drake is at Drake C toll. Uh, So Drake Baylor picked to win the league this year. Yeah. Did not. um, No. No, they did not do that. Six and seven, the final record. Um, Give me like 30 seconds on like just the Baylor season in a nutshell, like a paragraph almost.
1: Uh, Disaster is a good word to start with. You are preseason top 10, picked to win the Big 12, and you go six and six. Not only do you go six and six, but like the biggest blue ball in Baylor football history is six and three. And you have a shot at a Big 12 championship. Go back to the sugar bowl. This season, the three losses don't matter. You can still turn the ship around. Uh, you lose your last four, including a 30 to 15 beat down to Air Force. It it was it was pretty devastating to Baylor fans who thought this was going to be the Baylor team, barring a crazy injury. Josh, there were no crazy injuries. This team just ended up being bad. And Dave Aranda put it great at his last press conference. This was a fitting way to end a disappointing season. So
0: I think we have to teleport ourselves back in time to the start of the year. Um, Because look, you know, I was as low as I was on Baylor. They were a lot worse than I thought they would be. With that being said, um, I I think there's, I think we, we were too high on this group for a couple of reasons. Number one, they lost a lot. Like they really lost a lot off last year's team. I know how important the lines of scrimmage are. And a lot of people were correct in assuming, because that is where a lot of football games are won, right? Yeah. It was still where a lot of games are won. And Baylor retained a lot there. But we're seeing these guys on Sundays, Jalen Petrie, right? Uh, Tyquan Thornton, Terrell Bernard. And then you got guys even like Abram Smith, and Ebner has played a lot for the Bears as well. Yeah, These are all guys who are like, you know, decent to serviceable to whatever NFL players, which means they were very good college players and, as good as Baylor has gotten with some of the speed on the outside, some of the running backs they have as good as they were in the line scrimmage. They also had a new quarterback coming in. I know we saw a little bit of, but not enough. I think to sell, sell us in the way a lot of people were sold. And I think we're going to see this next year too. I think TCU is going to get a lot of hype preseason. I think Kansas state will get a lot of hype preseason. And we saw it happen this year with both Oklahoma state and Baylor. And we saw what happened. So Maybe it was a preseason buzz. I think the expectations were too high. Mm. I'm still with you on this being a disappointment. So I think both can be true. Like, I think the expectations were high, and I think yeah. also were too high, and this was also a disappointment. But I know Baylor fans feel differently because it felt like Shapen was supposed to take the offense the next level, and that's the number one thing I feel like. Am I wrong here? That just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, that was – look, the most popular guy in town is a backup quarterback on almost every team unless you have a Heisman-caliber quarterback taking snaps. And so the most popular guy in town all season was Kyron Drones, was we want Kyron, we want Kyron because – Baylor fans were looking for one piece of the puzzle to blame. What could we fit in here that's going to change everything this year? And this little thing is tweaked and Baylor's going to win their, their 10 games that we were promised preseason. And everyone kind of turned to Blake and I was on the Blake and train pretty firmly until week 12, really, or, or the 12th game, I should say. I was, I was ready for him to take the next step and at some point evolve. You saw the Iowa State game. He played really well. Texas Tech, he played really well. He started to fit this role of Gary Bohannon, which was be the game manager. Don't turn the ball over. Just be safe and let's go win the football game by the ground and pound. The Oklahoma game was the same way. Uh, And then by the end of the year, that Kansas State game was a just terrible. Like, couldn't have been a worse football game for a Baylor team that thought they could win it and go to the Big 12 title. Uh, And then you get all the way to the Texas game where I thought he was even worse. And then Air Force, like, the the guy couldn't win for losing. In his last four games, three of them were just awful. And and Baylor fans took a look at that, and and they were ruthless to him. And now Baylor only has one scholarship quarterback, and his name is Blake Shapin. And I think a lot of fans are are pretty wary of that. It's not. This doesn't feel remotely close to the stability that Aranda had in his first off season or his second off season. Now that's a scary thought for a lot of Baylor fans, and I think it starts with the quarterback.
0: Yeah. So let's let's stick there. We had we have to stick there. Um, I think we're. I think we have to be careful with with how fast we get on these guys, right? Because mm. this year is a really good example of this, and I've said this a bunch. I'll say it again here. But Max Duggan, I did not think was great. For I actually thought like Chandler Morris was probably the right call. Yeah. Uh, at the start of the year, just because he like he, if we're talking about short and intermediate passing game, like it looked like he was a little better at that than the Max Duggan was. Max got a lot better at that, right? Um. And Max was a lot of all or nothing most of the time, and he changed that. Will Howard, my God. I mean, if you watched him mm. play the first couple of years, it was rough, really rough. So much so that people had talked about, hey, maybe should he be playing tight end? Yeah. And I think we have to be careful with that because we know this like time with time. These guys can get really good. Spencer Sanders is a great a, a great example of this. I mean, I thought Spencer Sanders at peak, his peak abilities this year it was basically a one man show, but he was a really, he could win them. He could single handedly win them basically any game in this league uh, when he was fully healthy. And that team was not that good in my opinion. And I think that showed growth there. And like, that's why I'm wondering, you know, people are worried about the, obviously they're concerned about the quarterback situation, Mm. but I want to get your thoughts on this idea of maybe we have to wait. And look, I'm not saying he played well enough. I'm not saying, that's not what I'm trying to say, but my point is like, this was his first full year as a starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, and really all the hype last year was based off of one half in the Big 12 championship game. And that was never enough for me. I, and I'm not saying I've turned the corner completely on him. He's going to be good. But, like, the guy has ability, and he needs to get better and improve. But uh, he's going to have another full off season, second full off season as, as a starter. And, look, sometimes guys take two or three of those. Like, not everybody is – not everybody is going to be a, a five-star guy who's going to be able to like, you know what? I've got one bad year in my belt. I'm a different player. All of a sudden, it just doesn't happen for most 18, 19, 20 year old kids.
1: Yeah. I want to, I don't have a coin next to me, but I have a retainer. I'm going to go. Cause I'm at my childhood home. I'm going to go. There's two sides to the retainer here, Josh. Yeah. And, the one side, which I have been on more often than not, is give the kid time because he's he's a kid. He This right. is his first full season as a starter. His offensive line was great, and you can make the excuse of, okay, why did he misuse such a great offensive line? Well, his receivers weren't great. He had a lot of injuries. That receiver room was so inexperienced that somebody said it to me within the staff that he is learning every week with the receivers. This isn't a receiving core that he can lean on whatsoever. He's got to go out there and make big plays because his receivers are so inexperienced. They're going to drop a lot of balls, miss routes, and it's making it even tougher on Blake Shapen. So there's that, that it's twofold in that. Yeah, there are a lot of things this year that stacked against Blake Shapen in year one that made things extra tough on him. I think the running back room could be another one. You look at the first couple of games, Baylor didn't know who the running back was who's right. the who's going to be the guy if Blake Shapin's not throwing the ball well who's going to run the ball well and and again that all added up into a pressure for a young kid who's in his first year now on the other side as many good quarterbacks as you've mentioned from will Howard to Max Duggan who I thought were bad really really bad who in three or four years develop into into elite caliber quarterbacks maybe Blake Shapin's that guy but then I give you Donovan Smith and say, here's a kid that i thought really young I was like all right give him a couple years he could be really good and and now what or take him i haven't hotter- given up on him yet either I, which which is funny because you no haven't given give up on year. donovan smith yeah yeah no god no
0: oh my god no i'm not giving up on that guy they, he was he supposed to be in an they, he was not he's not the type of player who should be in an offense with throwing the ball 50 times a game that's what tech no, does he should not, not a good fit it's not a good fit at all and look we'll get a chance to see him in the big 12 with houston next year right he's yeah a chance but like this, I would say the same thing too, and, th- and this is the most extreme case. Hunter Deckers, like, I think there yeah. is no doubt. Well, you could maybe say whatever was happening with West, West Virginia's quarterback situation, but like, for a guy that we mm-hmm. saw for the full season, Hunter Deckers was the worst. He was by far the worst quarterback Absolutely. that we saw wire to wire this year. But like, you know, as bad as it was, if you're Iowa State you don't get a ton of guys, and then they have new kick going in, uh, Cole, whatever his name was, I think it's something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's coming cool. in, it's supposed to be pretty good, but like, you, you can't just give up on these kids because like, it's not the pros, you know what I mean? Because it, mm. it, and I know that we only have, we only get these kids for so long, right? You only get them for three, four years. And the transfer portal is there. And so there's so much now, there's so much desire to turn it around quickly, to make a change, to do something different. And I think the reality of the situation is like, you're more often than not, you are better off sticking with that guy. Mm. Like Iowa withstanding, more often than not, you are better off, you know, you're better off sticking with the, the guy that you have. Unless, like, if it hits a certain point of critical mass, then sure, you have, to, you have to get rid of him. I get it, but I think the receiver point you make that's a good one. I've been echoing that the entire year. Like, look, like, the, I think this group together yeah. has a chance to be a really good group, but you know, and I, I know everybody doesn't want to hear this, but like, sometimes maybe you just have to be the developmental program. The thing about Baylor, is, and, and the fans know this too. Like, it's, it's a lot of peaks and valleys. No, it's not all because of, like, the way the school is. A lot of it's been coaching turnover, right? Right. And some of the stuff that's happened with, obviously, the Art Riles. But, I mean, it was, you know, it's been, you know, uh, Art Riles and then down into you know, the Jim Grobe experience, right, to, to kind of stable the ship. And then to Matt Rule, they lose Matt Rule. It's down with Dave Aranda. It's hmm. back up with Dave Aranda. And now it's back to six and six, which is not like all the way down. But, like, Baylor, because of the money they have, because of where they are, has the ability to reach those high heights, and it almost like it resets expectations every single time we go, we, we go through one of these high-low cycles, I feel like.
1: Well, you know what happens to a, a starving person? If you give a starving person just a little bit of food, they want a whole lot more right now. Right. Baylor fans don't know what it's like to win until the last decade of football, and now they've gotten little glimpses into it. It's this idea of, all right, well, let's just do that every year, Then if it's that easy, if Dave Aranda can do it in year two and have the best – like. Dave Aranda in three seasons has two below 500 and one, the greatest single year in school history there. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Baylor fans, they want some sort of consistency because there've been so many peaks and valleys, but When when you're the small private school down in Waco and TCU can you can argue it has pretty much the same point in the Big 12. There are going it's going to be such a roller coaster of year in and year out. Are you an older team this year? How does your schedule favor? You Mm -hmm. saw the Baylor schedule. They go on the road to basically everybody. And any of the big teams that did not favor the bears whatsoever this season. So things like that are going to factor into why this team went six and six. But again, Baylor fans, those starving people have gotten a little bit of food and they want so much more. So look, I'm with you. I, I, these are the points that I was making till week 12. I felt like Blake Shapin, the one thing that kind of troubles me looking forward into the future is he didn't really get better. He got Mm -hmm. worse. That's the thing that is where I'm like, Oh, you at least bring in a transfer quarterback that can compete for the job. I don't need somebody else to start next year. I don't, but I need somebody to make Blake and Blake shape and seat feel a little warm so that he, he steps it up and has some pressure on his spot and then fulfills that and gets comfortable. So I will say this.
0: They're in pretty good shape with running backs, right? I mean, I'm not sure. Not, not, any of them in the portal to my knowledge, right? Oh wow, uh, man. And I think – and I believe they all have eligibility, if I'm correct. So it's going to be mm. uh, obviously Richard Reese, who is fantastic in his yeah. freshman season. Craig Williams. Craig scroll Williams is back. Uh, and Quaitlin Jones, right? And these are all guys who, who had essentially 100 carry seasons. Mm. And that's, that's pretty awesome they had three guys like that. I know the offensive line is going to go through some transition, but it's nice that you've got three separate guys – That at least, no matter who's under center, like you can ride a hot hand, whoever you feel like is running the ball the best that day, and they might need that if the offensive line's in transition. You might need a guy to get a bit more Mm. out of every carry because his line's not doing all the work. Now those guys aren't used to that yet, but I think there—that's one part of the offense where you know we're kind of negative so far. But like, you gotta love your running back room if you're heading into 2022. Maybe a guy transfers, but still, if you retain two of those three, like you're in great shape. And if you retain all th- retain all three, I mean, gangbusters potentially in, in in that part of the offense.
1: Yeah, Dominic Richardson too from Oklahoma State oh, that's right. over out of the portal. So now it's like, all right, sweet. I don't know if we really needed an extra running back. Yeah, why but
0: did I? I don't get that.
1: Right? Yeah, he's good at football, so I'm not yeah, complaining. He's good player, yeah, But you're just loading up that room to be one of the more elite, at least the deepest in the Big 12, which that's that's something good. Last year, it's funny to me, Josh. Last year was like, all right, who's going to be the running back? I don't know. But the line's good, so put me back there. Let me carry the ball. As long as that offensive right. line is in front of you, you're going to be good. So these, these guys on the ground got a year with a really good offensive line who underperformed at times, but w- they were still really good offensive line. So that experience now next year becomes who's the offensive line? I don't know, but we got these guys running the football, so we should be okay. Thankfully, there's that transition in this program. And Richard Reese, as good as he was, I mean, he was a freshman, true freshman who nobody had heard of. I look Week two, it's like, who's this Reese kid on the field and why? We did all of these preseason, who can make an impact out of the freshman class? He wasn't on he was on none of them. So the fact that he was that good and Craig Williams steps in into that role as well, Quaylon Jones, and now Richardson, you could see a really good run game from Baylor. Look, there are a lot of positives for this team. A couple of portal receivers, portal offensive linemen, but that's the big thing. How do you rebuild this O-line? And also, you don't have a defensive coordinator. I, I've yeah, got was- questions, Josh, that have not yeah. been answered yet. And that kind of scares me. So
0: wide receivers, we touched on a little bit. I, you know, I, I think like Monterey Ball wins the guy I think we all look at. And we're like that. That's it right there. Like that yeah. guy is the he can, has a chance to be the game breaker. And look, I think it's more of that building that relationship up with the quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think that's that's there. And uh, who are they get in the portal wide receiver? Uh, who, who we who are we talking about here?
1: Got an Arkansas kid, uh, which certainly makes yours truly happy. And I. Um... He's a four star out of high school. Played a little bit for the Hogs last year. I oh, gosh, I'm trying to what should you remember. It's not a right. robust
0: passing attack that the uh the Hogs have. I mean, No.
1: K- K- and Malik you might come to Baylor out of the portal. Did you see that? <laughs> I did I did see that. Oh. Which which is
0: like I feel like that kid wants to play. And I'm not sure. I mean, maybe maybe he likes the chances with Blake Shapen. But yeah, Catron um,
1: Jackson, uh Keitron Jackson coming to Baylor from Arkansas is great. I just you're right. Like who threw him the ball there? Uh, yeah. KG Jefferson uh, Kennedy.
0: Of, let's do defense. So, I th- I thought there were moments this year where they kind of like they were able to push push some teams around a little bit. Um, Texas Tech five oh, yeah, interceptions right, uh, they completely pushed Texas Tech around. I mean, and they were controlling the game up front. And then you had games. OU had a, had their way with them a little bit um, on the on the offensive side of things and then also you know the West Virginia game I mean complete disaster up front like West Virginia was getting whatever they wanted and that that you can't say that for West Virginia for most yeah. of their games this year right so what i i feel like to me they need they need more playmakers in the in the linebacking spot and and yeah. and in the secondary i think they need more guys that can make plays back there and then their defensive line just needed to be a bit more consistent than it was, I thought. Mm.
1: What This was supposed to be the greatest defensive line that's ever existed in right. the history of the world, and that just wasn't. That was the, the really weird part. I say really weird. Maybe the most weird part of this entire team, to me, was how ineffective the defensive line was at times this year. Even against Albany in the first game of the season, you're like, huh they're not getting as much of a push as I thought they would mm. get. And that ended up being consistent the rest of the year. We got to like week nine. Somebody looked at me and goes, where's Jackson player? And I had forgotten that he was on the team. He was supposed to be this marquee guy out of the portal. And and you really didn't see him take that next step toward the end of the year. Siaki Ika is getting double teamed and felt like Gabe Hall had his points and Garvin Randolph. Had- do we
0: think Siaki Ika just had too much tension on him or do we think he didn't play with Oh, him?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think – I've heard a little bit of both and I'm not
0: sure where I, – I mean, I, I – watching. There were times where I'm like, where is he? And there were some games actually where I thought he did step up a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, I would give you, it is a little bit of both. I'm not going to give him a full escape because you think that when you think those guys, like I wanted him to be this background or or backfield, just havoc wreaker. And you didn't get that. You you really didn't. And even if he's being double teamed against Albany, you're like, all right, this is the game. He's going to eat somebody. He's going to eat somebody. He never ate anybody pretty much the entire year. So yeah, I think you should ask a little bit more out of Siaki Ika, but when they've got two or three offensive linemen and a pulling guard that are all blocking him, I get I get why he wasn't as effective as maybe some Baylor fans expected.
0: Um so I, I will say this, like like, you know, the defense wasn't wasn't horrible, but this wasn't a conference that was awesome at defense this year and they were middle of the mm-hmm. pack in this in this conference. Yeah. Um where are we? On the hiring of a defensive coordinator, because this is obviously becomes an interesting one due to, we, you know, we saw Ron Roberts move on, Dave Aranda, mm-hmm. obviously a defensive guy, such a, a really successful defensive guy at that as well. Um, What is the latest buzz on where the Baylor Bears are hiring a defensive coordinator?
1: Yeah, it's not good. Uh, at the time of recording this, there's really there, the buzz is almost non-existent. I It hurts my bones and my soul that we in the press conference after the Air Force game, you knew that you're going to get like 10 questions from these reporters, Dave Aranda and Dylan Doyle, and that's it. He is reclusive. He is a groundhog. He will not take media again till spring football. Right. So you won't see Dave Aranda for three more months. And even after they hire a defensive coordinator, you still won't see Dave Aranda. So a lot of questions that have gone unanswered going into this offseason and will remain unanswered, that being one of them, is what's the timeline for a D.C.? Jo- Josh, it's December 27th as we're recording it right now at 1150 Central Time. Braun Roberts was fired on December 1st. It has right. been four weeks since this process started and Baylor wasn't preparing for a big bowl game. They had the armed forces bowl on December 23rd. So I, I don't know how, especially with Jim Leonard in the mix from Wisconsin who's brought so much buds. There's, there are a couple other coordinators from across the country who aren't still in bowl games. Like, unless he's going to pull something insane with one of these college football playoff teams, I don't know why it's taken four weeks because you're losing so much in the portal by not getting somebody right now who can bring in guys that love him.
0: So, and yeah, right. It's almost like they were, they were doing it as a reaction. Just like, that's what teams do Mm. when they don't play well. And I don't know if they necessarily needed to do. it. I, I feel. I, I look. I saw some of your tweets during the year. Like somebody's got to pay. Somebody has to answer for it. I know that's how people feel, right? But wasn't the right? Like, if you had no backup plan, like you don't have a backup yeah. plan, and and maybe it's your fault for having a backup plan, but like you know, you, you I, I know Dave Miranda is going to put the time in and make what he believes to be the right hire. Mm. If he is anything, he is thorough. Correct. I mean, yeah. that's that's kind of the, the guy that we know. Um, but it is interesting because that is supposed to be this team's strength. I will say, like, I think they're in a position where they can get back to that. I, I also think the under the radar, they'll be under the radar next year. Um, that's kind of a place that they can live, but it is curious to me that they didn't, they didn't get on
1: this faster. It's um, interesting to me too, Josh, as crazy as the big 12 was last year, like, oh, it's never been so wide open. Who's going to win the big 12 next year? Right. It's Right. Gonna- yeah. I love the parody in this league. And you're adding four new teams that what are they gonna do to this league? Right. They might just be a wrecking ball and take out a bunch of these, you know, the hateful eight that they call yeah, every team outside of Texas and Oklahoma. I d I don't know what this league's gonna look like. So that makes me want even more stability with well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the
0: fans who are in mind, and I'm, I'm sure you're hearing from them too. The Texas Tech fans think they are gonna have an eleven win season next year. They think it is their league, and they think they they cannot be told differently. And look, I'm happy for them. They've had a fantastic year, um, but like I think you made a great point. And here's here's a good thing about tech. This two, they're like, they're like a good a good measuring stick, right? They're very they were they really didn't get blown out until. Mm. until they played Baylor and just got, I mean, tossed around
1: at home on, at home on Patrick Mahomes and, day.
0: And how Pat, like, they weren't ready for a big game against patch on Patrick Mahomes day. Uh, My God, what's going to happen when you're ranked in Texas, comes back to town, right? I, I, they already had to, they had to go the road to Texas next year. Mm. Right. Or, you know, uh, they're going to Norman next year as well. Like what happens? Or, and they have to go to Baylor next year yeah. as well. What happens then? Uh, and I, I will tell you this this kind of transitions us to like the outlook for next year, you know, Baylor has one of the coaches that we, he's won a big 12 championship. He has Mm. pedigree winning Nash championships as a, as a coordinator. He has won a conference championship as a head coach. He has won a new year's six bowl. He, he has, you know, he's, you know, he's beaten teams that he's lost to early in the year, like kind of all the things that you want to check off the box. And I will say the one thing that we know he did really well from the two win season to the 10 win season. Or was it a 10 win? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The 10 win season was adjusting and like being very honest about what had to change. And, you know, he is not the stick to my guns for the sake of sticking to my guns type guy. Mm. And I think that is very encouraging for Baylor fans. So do I know what the changes are right now? No. But I'll tell you this they got an off- awesome offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, who's still there, right? Which is fantastic, because um, people thought he'd get a head coaching job. Yeah, and they've got a really smart defensive mind at the, at the coach. I know they've lost some guys recruiting, get that in a second, but like, there is a world in which Baylor goes right back to the Big Twelve Championship game next, next year, and Blake Shapin takes a step, and the wide receivers look, look. You're older, and the defense, you know, is better, hmm. and it just it it like it can't improve. It, as bad as it's been, it definitely can't improve. I thought TCU was going to win five games this year. Yeah, I we were win like five games this year because I didn't know what their identity would be you year one of they're and they're going they're My
1: favorite part game. about the TCU going 11-1, 12-0 12-0 with college or playoff and everything yeah. is that they at the beginning of the year they would they would clip people like you and me predicting their season and by the end of the year they just stopped because they were like every analyst in America predicted that no they're, one their predict-
0: over-under win total was like five and a half <laughs> yeah. No one predicted
1: like, like, them to be good
0: Like This same group of players won five games last year with the coach yeah. was a Hall of Famer They
1: like, like and- so-called analyst thinks TCU is going to be bad like, yes,
0: everyone yes. did, I, you know, and everybody its funny. Cause at the end of the year, people were saying like TCU was my favorite team. And I'm like, I, I guess you all just forgot what I said <laughs> the first month of the season. <laughs> I, you know, I guess I, and it, it's um, I'll tell you what though. I'll t- I want to ask you about this. Like the loss of Austin Nova that cause the tradition of the Baylor quarterback situation, like they needed that guy in there. And, and look, yeah. the recruiting class is still pretty decent, but that, Getting a player like that after a season that Baylor had mm. still signifies that. Look, we can still even on a down year for us, yeah. we're a year removed from a Big 12 title. We can still kill it recruiting license. Everybody says it's always the next class, and I don't know if that's always true because so much happens between last year I and mean, it's a year away from the Big 12 championship to mm. the following signing day. Right? You know, what I mean, Baylor's Big 12 championship as we sit right now, and you know, signing day just happened you know that that was that's over a calendar a year ago yeah yeah so talk about this recruiting class and and what it means to lose Austin Nova because I know you talked to him I know you were able to get a chance to get to know him a little bit and, and also just kind of the choice and what happened there
1: it is. It's the best recruiting class Dave Aranda has had, and it was on track to be a top twenty recruiting class when you had Brathwaite and Torian York, and you had Austin Novosad, and, and now you don't have any of those guys. Those were kind of your some of your marquee dudes in this in this class, and they all jumped ship and went to Texas A and M and Oregon, and I. Um, the weirdest part to me is is the relationship that I got to build with Novosad there late in the game and how I thought like all right sweet this kid feels like genuine and and has this this loyalty to Baylor and look I don't want to say that he's not genuine or doesn't have <laughs> got a dog in the background I don't want to say he's not genuine or doesn't have a loyalty Um, But when someone waves million plus dollars in your face or whatever Nike and and Oregon wanted to throw at them, like, look, it's tough not to balk at that. I don't know the kid's financial situation, but that's something you take into account. So I'm not one of these keyboard fans. It's like, oh, I'm so mad. Uh, There are things that Baylor is not equipped for that will keep them in um, that will keep keep them losing these recruits. NIL being one of the big ones, they are just behind the punch in NIL compared to a lot of these big major programs. Well, compared players. to, I mean, compared to Oregon, Oregon, yes. and <laughs> and really compared to, I mean, look, and you can say the same about Iowa State, and you can say the same about a lot of these Big Twelve schools that just haven't met the SEC, Big Ten, or even Pac twelve caliber of NIL. Baylor being one of them, it, this is going to be a trend moving forward, and and it sucks, but it's the new age of college football, and if Dante Moore takes forty eight hours to decide to go to UCLA. Austin Novosad's at Baylor. That that was the catalyst. Dante Moore mm. decides to go to UCLA 48 hours before signing day. And that's when Oregon said we have to have Austin Novosad. Give him the bag. Give him whatever. We'll take him.
0: Well, and this is an important point here that, that you bring up with all this stuff. And I, I think that oftentimes like we separate these conversations. I think this is a really good place to have it all together. Um, the reason why on this Big 12 channel I've been talking about if the if the Big Twelve had the ability to add an Oregon mm-hmm. and a Washington, if if the if the Pac-12 fell apart, they should. Is because of this, like this school. When you think about Nike and college football, yeah. what do you think of? It's Oregon, right? Yeah. You're not thinking about anybody else. It is Oregon. And uh, from what we've been hearing, Phil Knight, you know, the, the the goal now is to get that man a football or basketball, but both maybe a championship before he moves on. He's he's not a young guy, right? And no. we, hope, we hope Phil Knight lives to be 150, but like he is in his 80s now. Um, and so that is something that I think it's in. but like those schools have that kind of money mm. to throw around, to toss around because they're big brands and they have big backing. And like, as much as I hate to say it, and you just admit it as well, some of our institutions that we have can't throw their weight around like that. And the NIL era, it sucks because, you know, when, as soon as one of our schools gets a kid like that, one transition from one, you know, Dante Moore, right. You mentioned mm. him that means that a kid who could have been a star in this league for years to come, we've just lost out on him because of these other massive powers with the spending money that they have. And look, this is not me trying to diminish the league at all. It's just a reality of the situation. And, um, you know, Baylor's going to punish for it, but that's why these schools and look, these schools have always had this. They've always had to develop talent, right? They've always had to make it work. Like, we, you know, Baylor has won without Austin Nova said before yeah. they can do it after, I guess would be my not positive spin, but like, look, it's not the end of the world as much as getting yeah. him would signify, you know, where this program is, you can still win without him. Although we'd love to have him.
1: Yeah. There was a staff member I, I heard from kind of under the table that will remain anonymous. Of course, that said pretty much the same thing was look, if, if Austin Nova doesn't want to come here, we don't want Austin Nova. <laughs> like, right. Why would we have wanted a guy who teeter in, teeter out? Do I want to be there? Do I not? What's the point of that? Maybe he would have been great for us. Maybe he would have been a portal. portal in two years, you know? Right. So at the end of the day, we are a Baylor program that wants kids that want us. That has always been the message. We want Jalen Petrie's. Jalen Petrie wouldn't have taken the back from Oregon. Austin Nova side's not Jalen Petrie. See you later. And I know it sounds like the guy that got broken up with. It's like, oh, no, it was mutual but that at least is a it's a good perspective a positive healthy perspective to think okay if the kid didn't want us that's great have a fun time in oregon we want guys that want us
0: well i, I think he did i think just in the end of the day though it's probably i mean the amount of money that that a nike back is
1: stupid yeah it's got to be a stupid
0: amount of money and, and look that's that's like the going rate for these kids right i mean yeah. you know and you want to have a plan it, like that's that's what nil has done um now kind of the situation well, let's talk about the transporter real quickly before we get out of here what is what else besides receiver wh- where is Baylor going hunting and i will say this too i feel like same thing with recruiting applies to transfer portal when you go play for dave Aranda and i've always said this i feel like if you are a parent and he comes into your house and I know all the head coaches isn't always doing all the recruiting but they do a good amount of it um there is a certain level of sincerity where it's like i and we don't know these people you know, I know there's coaches who've done bad stuff, so like whatever. But like he seems like an incredibly sincere person, yeah. Who's very thoughtful, and if I was a father or mother, I could trust my kid sending them to play for this awesome coach. So I feel like they are after a certain type of kid. So is that what you're hearing too? Is that the approach of the portal, same with their recruiting? Like we want kids who want us. We want a certain type of of young man. So I know everybody says this, but with Dave Aranda, yeah. it
1: actually does feel real. Yeah, they want culture, period. That's why I hired Jeff Grimes, is they want culture. That's why I fired Ron Roberts, because they want culture. That's why I fired Larry Fedora. Dave Aranda is, you're right. He's going to leave people on the cutting room floor who don't fit the culture. That applies to players as well. So in the portal, it's not, oh, we have a five-star athlete who wants to come here. If he's not a culture fit, we're not going to take him because he'd probably be in the portal a year from now anyway. He wouldn't fit. So there are layers and levels to that. It it puts you behind the punch in a lot of areas. It really does because you're losing out on some great athletes that you don't think are going to be fits. (laughs) And and you're also looking at kids that could be great projects that you're maybe not getting. And and you're behind the punch in that Dave Aranda said he's going to go after quarterback in January. Josh, the portal opened up almost a month ago. Why are you waiting till January to get a quarterback? That's what he's doing to follow through with what his culture is. Do I always think it's the most progressive and active way to do this, to build the best football team? No, because it's not. But in the long run, if you want to build stability, consistency, no more ins and outs and ups and downs and hills and valleys, this is the way to do it. So I'm going to sit here, my thumb in my mouth and be happy in five years when Baylor feels like one of the stronger programs, in the big 12. Cause I I do see that as being the trajectory under Dave Miranda. I, and I agree
0: with that. I I think that's kind of the upshot of all this. Like, they are in Texas. Advantage. Yeah. It is a smaller private school, but there is still a lot of money there. They play in a beautiful stadium, and I think the rest of the facility is like pretty good too, right? I oh, mean, yeah. I think, They're yeah. building
1: a whole new indoor football facility, too. Right.
0: So they have a coach that he is not Shane Beamer, right? He is not Brent Venables. Yeah, he is more towards I'd say Sonny Dykes in like the demeanor department, right? Sonny is a bit more laid back, chill, cool. Dave is more of like just a quieter quieter guy is that yeah. do you think I like that's fair and look like it's still a six win season and i i said the same thing with oklahoma state you said it first you said it here it disaster was the word you used
1: mm.
0: if six and seven is a disaster you're in a fine spot you're in an okay spot all right you're just i'll say the same thing about i said the same thing about oklahoma state i said look seven and five eight and five is what seven and six eight and five is they end up we'll see what happens tonight and you all would know what happens after this like, that was a bad season, regardless of what happens. Yeah. Pretty good spot, right? Pretty good spot if that's the case. Yeah. I still feel very good. Baylor and TCU, they are rivals. They do feel very much alike about, like, what their positioning is. And, look, I, I like their footholds. We know they can win at a mm-hmm. high level in this league. We're, we're Here's the thing. Iowa State and well, – Iowa State, we know they can. But, like, you know, they haven't come – they feel like a little along the way. West Virginia. Mm-hmm. do we Do we know if West Virginia can win a Big 12 championship?
1: I don't, I don't. No,
0: we've got no clue. UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. We've got no clue, right? There is this group of teams that we have got no clue if they can win. Baylor is not one of them. Mm -hmm. Also, on the conservative point you said made, it came back to bite him in that TCU game. God, that play calling was bad there. That was old Dave. That was two-win Dave. Dave, what? I mean, that was bad. <laughs> that, that was Larry was,
1: Fedora uh, Dave. What that was Larry
0: Fedora Dave being like, we got to punt our own, you know, on, on their 35-yard line. It was, it was a nightmare. But yeah, do you agree with that? Do you feel like, you know what? We know we can win a Big 12 title regardless. Oh, you, know, OU, Texas, be damned. We know we can beat these other teams.
1: To close, like To close, I think it's the best way to close it, is Baylor a year ago was a game away from what TCU is now. I think it's a great comp. I think it's a great comp. They are in, they are right on that same path with TCU, which I think is a great thing for the league. Baylor fans probably disagree. It's like, oh, I hate TCU. That's how Baylor fans sound. But it's a great thing for the league that Baylor and TCU are both, have been playoff caliber squads, Oklahoma State included in the last couple of seasons. They're, none of those three are Oklahoma or Texas, and they all have some sort of supposed stability moving forward, which is going to be awesome.
0: Uh, all right, we appreciate your time, Mr. Toll. Where can people find you and your work in all of its variety?
1: At Locked on Baylor on Twitter, at Drake C. Toll on Twitter. It's It it always is Twitter, always has been, always will be. This whole world is we Twitter. Hope. So yeah, hopefully we it sticks hope. around a little bit. It's my Wait, entire hope. personality. So if it doesn't, we've got big problems. So follow us there and all the shows daily and wherever wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube.
0: I want to say I always enjoy seeing your calls from your uh, or oh, the, the Panthers, yeah. China Spring Panthers, Is the that- Cougars, close Cougars, though. Cougars, close. Cougars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, congrats your state championship and, and you did a great job with that. So I want to tell you also, good job there. Yeah. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors on the floor. Find the show at lob 12 Find us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Drake, we will talking to you very soon. Thanks, man.